spread love. Doom, 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 spread love. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to POV with Kristen Gilmore, where I interview interesting people that you and I are getting to know together. This podcast was created to enlighten, enrich, and inform. The basis is to spread love and extend God's grace to yourself and others. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of POV with Kristen Gilmore. I'm so glad to have you join me today. Today, we have a special guest with us. This beautiful human I met through a near and dear friend. And... I must tell you, in first meeting this woman, I knew she was special just by her energy, the way she carried herself. Her laugh is one that is contagious. And not only is she stunning to look at, but her story just touched my heart. And I must tell you, I don't know everything. I only know a bit, but it was enough for the Lord to penetrate my heart and say, Kristen, you need to know this woman. And if you do, so do others. Dr. Goldsby, thank you for joining us today. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. I I just want you to know that when I first met you, your character spoke to me. Your humor, your honesty, your heart, um, your daughter, you know, and in meeting Janice first, and then you, I was like, oh, well, this makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Janice is who she is and shines so bright because of who you are. If you could, please, just tell us, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I would first like to say that we are both um, hometown connections as well. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, but I was born in Millington, Tennessee, and I understand your roots are in Millington, Tennessee as well. My mom worked at a naval hospital at the Millington Naval Base in Millington for 32 years and then retired. So it is great to at least have a connection with a hometown friend through my daughter. I do have two daughters. The oldest daughter, Janice's sister, is Gabrielle, and the youngest daughter is Janice. Janice lives in South Carolina with her husband and son, Joseph, and her husband is Michael. Gabrielle is living here in Virginia, in Chesapeake, Virginia, and they both have I guess, done great things because I've instilled in them certain principles to first love God and always respect people and always do their best to reach their best potential and give back when they can. I love that. And I can see that. I can see that completely in who you are and in Janice's giving spirit. And you're right, Dr. Goldsby, we are hometown girls. Actually, that was one of the things that touched my heart so much. Here I am finding myself in South Carolina. I meet Janice because nothing's by chance. And then (laughs) meeting her, I get to meet you and realize that we have a connection outside of the state we're both in. Tell me something. What resonated or stood out for you when you were growing up in Millington, Tennessee, that you feel motivated your life for you to be who you are today? Oh, my Well, that is a story because my mother, again, worked in the Millington Hospital, Naval Base Hospital. So we had moved from, we did live out near Millington, but by the age of four or five, we had moved to the edge of Millington, Memphis. Mom did not drive, did not have transportation. She had to catch 
uh, the public bus to go to work. And again, I did say she worked 32 years. This was every day, getting up at 4.30, 5 o'clock to get a 6 o'clock bus to go 17 miles. Now, today, 17 miles is short and quick with all our highways, expressways, and different modes of tra uh, transportation. Mom's bus took her one hour and about 20 minutes to get to work each way. So one day as my older brother started driving, we decided to take a family trip where all of us would go and pick her up from her job when she got off at 3.34 o'clock. We went to the Naval Hospital and for some reason, I guess I'm the one snooping and walking through the hospital setting and I walk up as I get to the room where my mom is. And by the way, she was what we call a domestic engineer for the hospital, where she did anything from maids jobs, mopping floors, buffing floors, to being an orderly, transporting the patients or reading to them, seeking their, helping them to um, meet their basic needs, brushing their teeth, making sure they had the soap and, and face towels and cloths. So I walk up on the room that she was in. Um, of course, I could not go in, but I could hear a person's voice saying, let's hurry up. Get this man down so he can get tests done that might help us to get him to get better quicker. So at the age of 12, 13, I'm like, hmm, I don't know if that voice sounded correct or not. And it kind of stirred my spirit and sat in there. And I said, well... I'm going to have to let mom know how I feel about this. And I did, but quietly on the side. I said, mom, when I grow up, you are not going to ever take orders from anyone else. And she said, why is that? And I said, well, what does he do? She said, oh, baby, he's the captain. I said, mm-hmm, I get that, mom. But what is he? She said, he is the doctor. I said, okay. That's why I am going to be a doctor. That was my aha moment at that age. And I had stuck with that. That was in my spirit, in my soul, and in my gut. Wow. And from that day on, oh, I love that story. It, oh, mm -mm. I'm starting to feel some tears. <laughs> <laughs> But now there are two parts to that. I'm sorry, go on. No, please give me the other part. I want it, please. Because uh, at age 12 or 13, and you are kind of walking up on a situation, hearing someone say, hurry up, is rushing my mom and giving her orders. And that part I didn't like. And that was why I, I figured that out by him giving orders because he was the captain. But also I heard him say, hurry and let's do something, get tests so we can make this person better. And that was the part that stuck with me. And I'm like, I can do that. I think I can make people better. And if being a doctor does that, that is what I think I can do. And when I shared that with mom, she says, oh, you're smart enough and you can do it. And we had that agreement way back then. You know, when people feed you, your mother, she heard you and she said, you're smart enough. You can do it. That was just enough that you needed to reinforce what you already knew you were capable of. Wow, Dr. Goldsby, how proud of your mom, how proud was your mom when you achieved your goal? 
Well, that's a different kind of story because, and let me show you a picture of my mom. Um, this was, I don't know if you want to. So this was my mom. I don't know if you can see that. So I can, you can kind of like say we look alike. Let me try to, oh, see, I don't know about this technology. Oh, I see her now. She's and I think Denise has that picture at, at her house. Yes, ma'am. She's stunning. You look like her. And Janice kind of looks like me and mom, I think. Your mom yeah. seems like she had like a quiet but powerful spirit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Very powerful. So when when um the moment hit her where her power had to be exerted, everyone knew it and it was on and it was memorable. <laughs> we'll say that. <laughs> Mamas have a way, don't they? <laughs> yes, especially if you bother their children. But so mom did get to um see me through college and she took ill and she passed in 81 and I was in my mm, internship no um, medical school third around third or fourth year almost finishing up medical school and that's before you go into resident internship and residency so that was a pivotal moment in my life because I thought hmm I don't want to do this anymore. Mom won't be around to see me. But again, there in my inner mind, a voice said, yes, you can do it. And you will do it because she believed in you and know you can and you will finish. So that was when I decided to go on and finish medical school. And there was an elective, supposedly, surprisingly, that we were supposed to take on death and dying. Do you know I got up enough gumption and courage to go down to my dean of the medical school and say, no, I know you're offering this course, but I'm not taking it. And they said, oh, but that's not going to happen as you can't finish. I will finish, but I'm not taking it. You see, my mom just passed. I've gone through all of that. And they did waiver that particular elective for the six week time. And that happened. And I graduated and I went on to my internship and residency in pediatrics. Dr. Goldsby, you are unstoppable. <laughs> yes, someone else, my niece have told me that too. <laughs> well, then you know it to be true. You stood up for what you believed in. You said what you needed and they honored it. There is power in your words and your actions followed. Wow. Wow. What made you choose pediatrics? Okay, that's mm, that was easy after I decided you, they send you through when you're in uh, medical school. You do uh, have a chance to rotate on the floors and follow the interns and residents because you're still a medical student and you can uh, follow them in different specialties. And we did have to rotate through internal medicine, adult medicine. We rotated through pediatrics, which is the kids and the babies. And then they had specialty for the special babies that had problems called the intensive care neonatal unit. We rotated through general surgery, also specialty orthopedic surgery, gynecology, which are women's problems, and as well as OB, obstetrics, which is delivering babies. Well, surgery was definitely not for me by any form. I did not like the cutting the sound in there of the machines going, 
the long time, depending on how the surges were and what type they were, that eliminated surgery. I did not like gynecology. For some reason, that did not appeal to me. Delivering babies I enjoyed, but the moms and the babies birthing time, 2, 3, 4 a.m. in the morning, and you have to come from your home, rush to get there and be awake and cognizant to deliver the baby. That avenue was not for me. So that left internal medicine and adult medicine. And after I did those rotations, it seemed like I had a whole list of medicines to discuss with them in my pre-interview during their visits before I even started the visit. And now that I'm an adult and have a list of medicines, I understand. But that way, that was what told me I did not want to do internal medicine. So it ended up by elimination. I guess I'll do the pediatric part. I think that's fantastic. I mean, our, I remember my uh, doctors as a child and one, it resonated with me that I was able to have such a great relationship all until, you know, I got older and had to go to a gynecologist, but I can only imagine the children who got to have you come in, especially if they looked like you. And also the ones whose lives you've changed, who've never seen a doctor who was a black woman. It matters. Representation matters. And I'm so grateful that you were able to be that face for them because it's something it, it comfort does come. And then also you see, oh, if she can do it, I can do it. You know? Yes. And that is true because usually I've worked. um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with. Well, there's certain entities where you can work through the underserved population with the government and they'll pay for a lot of your schooling because they're called uh, federal grants. And so most of my medical school and not all of it was paid for for via that program. So I had to work in underserved clinics as a payback for however many years they paid for me going to medical school, which was four, four and a half, five years. So over 55% of my career, I have chosen to go back and work with the underserved, even though I know that populations can be difficult. It's our population and they needed me. And a few times I worked in private clinics and big corporations, commercial, mostly not, you know, centered towards African-Americans, but I wanted to give back. And so that's how I did my career over the 32 years. And it's been a blessing and I've been blessed. God has taken care of me, protected me, guided me, given me wisdom and insight to make, for the most part, good decisions, because it definitely, some of it was not me. And I've had challenges and difficult patients, difficult parents, difficult, you know, situations. But overall, for the time that I worked at the longer practices, six, seven, eight years, they've given me going aways and I get notes from the parents or the kids and they're going to miss me. They love me. Even the teenage guys would come and hug me. The young guys would run up to me and Dr. G or Dr. Goldsby, hi, hi, high fives and different things. Where is she? And she's not here today. So they would look for me. So it has been rewarding. I mean, I can absolutely see that. That's the kind of energy and spirit you carry. And I don't even know if you're aware of this, but even when you speak, you have a smile in your voice. Like that's what people get from you. Wow. Well, thank you. You're welcome. And I I know that smiles sometimes can be hard to come by. So whenever people like compliment me on my smile, I, I think I, I'm like, yeah, but you don't know what it took to do it. You don't know what it took for me to carry this smile because we know what the opposite of that can feel like. Yeah. 
Can you share with us any of your greatest challenges that you've had to overcome? I guess besides that time with during medical school, you know, and my mom and, you know, surrounding her death with the career or just in life, you mean? Oh, yeah. Whichever way it resonates for you. Okay. It was um, my oldest daughter, Janice's sister. And at that time I was finishing up again, finishing up, but this was residency and I was, had got married and pregnant with her and I had a difficult pregnancy. So by me being in medical school and going through those rotations, I knew what that meant. And I had to ask to take medical leave because I was threatening to deliver her early. I was pre-eclamptic. Those are medical terms where I had the high blood pressure. I had swelling all over. I had gained almost 200 pounds. I was at 200 pounds, actually. My blood pressure was life-threatening. So the only way to deliver a healthy baby and for me to remain alive was to go on bed rest, leave the rotation, and was not certain if I would finish residency. But God blessed. She did come four weeks early. For the most part, she was okay. I still had some blood pressure issues and had to be off another six, seven, eight weeks. But again, here was the challenge to talk with my dean. I wanted to finish, get done on time. They waived a couple of other electives and I was able to finish. She was supposed to come in April of that year. She came in March. I was supposed to finish all my rotations by the end of May and they allowed me to go on and extend to June and waived a couple that I could finish with my class. So I give God the praise. Wow. You know, some people have such easy pregnancies that, you know, they feel like they can like climb mountains and others have to be put on bed rest. You know, you never know. And having a child is a miracle all in itself. Yes. Yes. What would you say to women who desire to be mothers and to those mothers who are going through like, do you have any words of wisdom or any any kind words that can help them have peace on that journey? <sighs> That's a difficult one because I've had a girlfriend that is, you know, of course, my age who did try that route and did some things, you know, with um, specialists with infertility. Um, it is a difficult time especially if you make a decision that that's what you really want to do is to have children. Of course, sometimes the pregnancies are unexpected and you end up going on going through them and want those kids. But the ones that really want and seek out and having difficulties, I would just say, keep praying, keep trusting, don't give up. And if that avenue doesn't work, God is going to show you another way or open up another thought or path, whether it's through a surrogate mom or adoption, but it'll have to fit what you want in life with your faith and trust in God. That's great advice, doctor. It's so beautiful to speak to a medical professional who also knows that God still works and still reigns and still in control. Yes. Yeah. Tell me, what brings you joy? Well, the main thing as I'm older and I um, look back on life, is seeing my children happy, prosperous, successful, and at peace. And if they're happy, I'm fine. Seeing my grandson, watching him grow, oh my. You're talking about tears. 
He is an absolute joy. And to give him the best I have to show him his grandmother loves him. Oh, I have no doubt that he doesn't know that. Because <laughs> when I see Joseph's face, when you're on the phone, when Janice is like, Joseph, your grandma's on the phone. He like runs down the stairs to the phone. <laughs> Even if he's like all into whatever it is he's watching, it's as if you're right there beside him on the couch. And wow. I believe you. And I've seen it on the other side. My mother says there's nothing better than grandchildren. And I, I feel like you'd agree. <laughs> yes, that is right. <laughs> that is absolutely right. Mm, that is beautiful. Thank Dr. You. Goldsby, if there was one thing you'd want people to take away from meeting you, what would that be? Hmm. You would ask a difficult question. I would say life is a journey. Life has two certainties, that you're born and that you will die. On the journey, you can try to plan out things, try to decide how you want things to go. But it might be a winding road sometimes. You have turns, you have valleys, hills, ups, downs, but it's all about how you take it, what you make of it, like they say, what make lemons into lemonade. It might take a while if you have the down points to bounce back, but if you trust God, put him first, you will bounce back. You will be victorious because we are a part of the kingdom and the royal priesthood. We don't have a choice but to be overcomers and winners on this life's journey until we get to heaven. What beautiful words to live by and to pass along to the rest of us. Dr. Goldsby, I give this to every guest and you are of the most deserving. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You all listen. I hope you are able to receive knowledge from a beautiful human, Dr. Goldsby, who saw something that she needed to, that she felt deserved change, and that was protection of her mother. And in that same instance, knew what she could be and didn't stop until she achieved it. Specifically, Dr. Goldsby said, Life is what you make it. And pretty much, y'all, enjoy the journey because the two things we're guaranteed is life and death. And the in-between and how we see it is up to us. I hope you take some beautiful words of wisdom away from this episode because I know I did. Thank y'all for listening. Thank you, Dr. Goldsby, for joining. Thank you, Kristen. It has been a true pleasure and an honor. I thank you so much for asking me to be part of your life. Yes, ma'am. It's because of the light you carry. That's what drew me into you. It's just who you are. 
And God wanted you to have your flowers while you live so that you can continue to touch people who may never get to lay eyes on you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. All right, y'all. Thank y'all for listening. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of POV with Kristen Gilmore. See you next time. Bye. Ha. Ooh. Ha.